This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, March 19th, 2017. Broken Assurance. Broken. Broken Assurance. That's our focus this morning as we continue our journey through the book of Luke and continue our journey toward the cross, considering how each and every one of us is broken and how Jesus restores. Good morning again, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Mighty God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word found in scripture, for the lesson that it gives us and the life application. Settle us in. Remove any distraction that we might um, have coming in and out of our minds so that we can really have this laser focus on, on you. And I pray that we would leave changed and transformed by your love. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Everybody gathered and said... Amen. Amen. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And so here we have a story of Jesus being anointed by a woman. It's a story that's found in um, all four accounts of the New Testament Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all have this story in there. A lot of similarities in the way each writer talks about it, and there are some differences. In fact, it is perhaps wondered if there was uh, more than one time that Jesus was anointed uh, with expensive perfume. Whatever the case, our story this morning focuses on what we read about in Luke. It's a story that takes place at the home of Simon the Pharisee. And it's a story that involves a woman with a sin-filled past. Anointing. It's a, it's a ritual uh, act of pouring aromatic oil on a person's head or some other part of the body. It's, it was an act of hospitality in that day. Anointing with oil is also part of spiritual rituals, symbolic of God's healing power. We still use that today. Not to mention the healing and soothing properties of the oil itself. In Hebrew history, kings were anointed with oil. Like when David was a boy, Samuel anointed him with oil, an indication of his future kingship. The Greek word (coughs) Christos, Christ in English, and the Hebrew word Messiah, both of those words mean anointed one, referring to Jesus as the one anointed by God to be our king of kings. How ironic that the anointed one was in fact anointed by this woman of questionable background in our story this morning. 
So we've shared many times when you read scripture, it's important to read what's in there, but also what is not being said. We're told in the scripture that the woman is sinful. She's led a sinful life. So that seems important. And in fact, that brings all of us into the story because we are sinners as well. But there must be something to this. Uh, as we did some research, it's generally agreed that the nature of this woman's sin is that she is a prostitute, which sets up a very interesting interaction in this story. Because on one hand, we have this Pharisee, which is a, an ancient uh, Jewish uh, leader who observed traditional law, written law. You know, they were like the letter of the law oftentimes even being um, portrayed in scripture as being self-righteous. So we have this Pharisee in the story, and then we have the woman who is a prostitute. A prostitute who heard where Jesus was going to be, so she came ready, bringing her alabaster jar of perfume. Can you imagine the courage it took for this woman to enter that place, that home. She came with a plan, plan to anoint Jesus. That's why she had the jar. And here's the picture. When they ate in those days, they reclined as they still do in the Middle East, uh, leaning like on the left elbow, right hand to be used to take and eat food, to pick food. Legs away from the table as they're reclining. And so if you came into the room there, you would, it said, stood behind and wouldn't be like standing behind someone in our culture where they're in a chair and you're kind of looking down over their head. You would first come to their feet if you came up behind them. And that's the picture we have here with this woman when she enters this place where Jesus is reclining, as the scripture says. She must have heard about him, known about him, familiar well, how loving and forgiving he was, the healing that he had done. Well, she came ready for what she was planning to do. And we're told that she cried. She cried. Perhaps in that moment, she was thinking about her life and what it had been or had not been up to that point. Perhaps in that moment, she was... Uh, in pain. Perhaps she thought of her sin in the presence of this godly man. Perhaps in that moment she realized her own brokenness and that this man was the one who could bring restoration to her life. Perhaps she'd heard the stories of his healing and the ministry and miracles that he had done. And whatever it was, she stood there and cried. Boy, did she cry. Cried enough that her tears wet his dust-covered feet, so much so that, that, that she could then wipe the dust off of those feet with her hair, kiss those feet, and then anoint them with this perfume, this substance they called nard, from her broken jar. If you have your Bibles with you, we're focused on Luke chapter 7. You can also look it up on your phone or we have the scripture on the screen. 
When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Say the rest with me, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So in that day, in that time, in that culture, there were three customary acts of hospitality when one entered someone's home. First, the host would place a hand on the guest's shoulder and welcome him with a kiss. According to Bible scholar William Barclay, this mark of respect would never be omitted in the case of a distinguished rabbi or teacher, which Jesus was. Second, since the guest would have been walking on dusty roads with mere sandals on on his feet, cool water would have always been poured over the guest's feet, not only to clean them, but to offer comfort as well. Third, finally, anointing the head with oil was a mark of respect for an honored guest, a source of refreshment and comfort after having traveled out in the hot sun. We're reminded here of what David says in the 23rd Psalm as he's celebrating in figurative language what the Lord has done for him. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So we have the kiss and the foot washing and the oil on the head. They were signs of good hospitality, good manners. And as Jesus pointed out to the man, to the Pharisee, the man who one would expect to be right on point with uh, the way things should go with the protocol game, since he was all about rules and regulations, this host was not very hospitable at all, and he omitted all all three of these signs of welcome. Jesus points out to him how the woman, the woman this Pharisee is disparaging for the way she goes about showing her love and respect for Jesus, Jesus points out to him that she absolutely hands down, ran circles around the host with her hospitality. 
Now, perhaps she was a little over the top, maybe a little more sensual than necessary. Maybe, maybe we have a rumble strip here, maybe even a guardrail with the way she approached Jesus when you consider how she was approaching him and what everybody probably in the room was thinking, considering her background. But, but she did show him great hospitality when the host, in fact, did not. Instead of water for his feet, she wet his feet with her tears. I mean, can you imagine? That was a lot of tears. And then she dried his feet with her hair. Now, in those days, a girl who wore hair down, that was like a no-no. It showed immodesty. It, It wasn't a good thing. And for this woman to have her hair down like that and then wipe Jesus's feet, that really, what it shows is that her focus was totally on Christ, that she didn't really care how she looked, how things looked. She just needed to be in the presence of Jesus. And she kissed not his cheek, as was the custom, but his feet. What a clear sign of humility, of complete disregard for appearance. Again, totally focused on Jesus and her love for him, expressing the love with all she had. And then there was the perfume that she poured on his feet. As we said earlier, it was a very, very expensive oil or ointment called nard. Really super expensive. I mean, perfume was really important in that time because think about it, they didn't bathe as often. And so this woman wore her perfume, it said, wore it in around her neck, some translations say, in this jar made of alabaster. Now, alabaster is a type of stone that the oil doesn't permeate into the stone. And so it was a container that was sealed, and it had to be broken in order for the contents, for the perfume to come out. And so she broke the vessel in order to show her hospitality, to show her love for Jesus. A broken vessel. The alabaster jar, no longer capable, once broken, of doing what it was intended to do. No longer able to hold the perfume, the ointment, the nard. How symbolic of this woman and her life. Broken. Like the alabaster jar was broken. A life in pieces, no longer functioning as intended. Broken through her choices, through her sin. Broken in need of someone to put her back together. Someone to bring restoration to her and her soul. A broken vessel. That's all of us. That's you. That's me. That's us. Trying to pick up the pieces of our sin-filled life. Unable to put ourselves quite back together on our own. We, too, are in need of restoration. We need to be restored. And we are in need of the one who can put us back together, each piece, one at a time, back together, helping us realize that we're created for a purpose and a plan, and it really has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with God, who gives us that purpose and the plan when God first thought of us. Alabaster jar of perfume, nard, very expensive. 
very costly. Most, most likely, this represented the entire worldly wealth of this woman. All she had, she was carrying in that jar. Some estimate, some uh, scholars estimate the value at over a year's worth of average wages in that jar. And so this was her savings. This was her security. This was her safety. This was her pension. This was her future. It was all she had. All that stood between her and poverty, all that stood between her and destitution, between her and a day-to-day, hand-to-mouth existence. That jar of nard was her assurance for the future. It was her lifetime piggy bank, so to speak. And she broke it open and dumped it all. She gave it all to Jesus, extravagantly gave it all to Jesus. Now, some would say she foolishly gave it all to Jesus, ridiculously gave it all to Jesus, wastefully gave it all to Jesus. In Matthew, Mark, and John, they even make a note in this story that that could have been used for the poor. Funny how these people who were pretty critical of what she was doing, they weren't even considering how costly it was for her to do this, and it could have been used for her own future. So once she broke it open, she was all in. There was no turning back. She could not undo what she had done. Thinking about this this week, it reminded me of the explorer Cortez. You heard of Cortez maybe in your history class back in high school or middle school. Uh, Cortez, who was fearful that his men would mutiny and return home, ordered them to burn the ships, making that impossible for them to do anything but stay. You know, you can't retreat when that's not an option, can you? And so she burned her ship when she broke this alabaster jar that held the nard And she broke that jar that held the key to her future. When she broke it open, she was trusting her future fully to Jesus, breaking with the past, opening up to the future with Jesus, and saying goodbye to that sin-filled past, saying goodbye to any safety and security she might have accumulated up to that point, saying goodbye to the future assurance that that costly, expensive valuable nard would have offered and afforded her. And so she was trading her broken assurance to the blessed assurance that Jesus offers. Esalie, I'll bet there's a a hymn going through your head right now. Come up here because I need to sing that and I need a little help. Come on, Esalie. Come on. (laughs) Fanny Crosby wrote it, and it was written back in the late 1800s. Come on, Esalie. You always want us to sing these hymns. Isn't Blessed Assurance one of your favorites? I know. I've heard you sing it many, many times. So let's sing it together and invite them to sing it with us, okay? 
Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. I I didn't have that pre-planned, so I couldn't give you any warning on that. It was just like up here, and it said, ask S. Lee to come up. (laughs) I did it alone the first service, so. It would have been deadly if she'd asked me to join her. (laughs) So this is my story. This is my song. This is our story. This is our song. You know, over the years, we've had to break. Carrie and I have had to break a few alabaster jars of nard, so to speak. Those vessels filled with assurance, or so we thought, filled with the assurance of a bright and certain future, filled with what at the time we thought were guarantees, certainties, promises of a bright tomorrow. As humans, we like assurances, don't we? Can I get an amen? Amen. We love assurance. We thrive on assurance. I, I mean, I used to sell insurance. I used to sell assurances to people. That's what we, that's what we count on. But the truth is, there's no assurance, no real assurance other than Jesus Christ Himself. Amen. 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 And so, over the years, we've been in a position to break our alabaster jars. Some of them our alabaster jars of assurance and give it over to Jesus. We've broken the alabaster jar of careers that we thought would take us to retirement. We've broken the alabaster uh, jar of, of company-sponsored pension uh, investment plans that got all used up when we needed to put all that toward living and toward seminary. <laughs> We broke the assurance of not knowing how all of that would play out when we listened to God and um, left our secular careers for ministry, particularly how it related to our kids. For me, that was one of the hardest things because I didn't know how these changes would affect you, Aaron, and Megan, and Devin, and Turner. We broke the assurance of safe and secure church positions that we had before we came here to start something new, brand new church called Connection Community Church, really not knowing how it was all going to happen, really not knowing if anybody was going to come with us at the time. (laughs) But then step by step, obstacle by obstacle, miracle by miracle, here we are. 
We traded the broken assurance for blessed assurance, and I know that we have a lot more alab- we have a lot more alabaster jars, more to break, trading these worldly assurances for the assurance that only Christ can bring. And oh, what a foretaste of glory divine when we do that. And so we come to our question for the morning, and our question for the morning is, what about you? What alabaster jar of nard filled with what you think is assurance? Maybe you've had some break in your life. Maybe you've had to break some of those jars. Maybe not. The question is, what jars do you still have that need to be broken? In order for you to fully realize the blessed assurance that Jesus has to offer to you. What guarantee, and that's in quotes, what guarantee do you need to let go of in order for you to more fully realize the life that Jesus is offering to you? What, what are you counting on that you need to let go of to, to free up your hands to fully receive what Jesus has for you? What assurance needs to be broken so that Jesus can bring restoration to your life? When we claim Christ as our leader, as our Savior, we make a decision to walk by faith, not by sight. A lot of those alabaster jars that we needed to break had things that we could see, and it wasn't We weren't walking by faith when we had to see proof of certain things. But I can tell you that when those jars were broken, and again, there's more coming, that gave us such a sense of freedom because our true freedom is in Christ and in Christ alone. He is our blessed assurance. Let's just close with that first stanza of that song again. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of the Spirit, washed in his blood. Oh, Lord, I pray that this is our story, that you are our story, because you are writing our story. Help us embrace that. Claim that. Claim you as Lord and Savior. Open our hearts. Open ourselves, knowing that it really is the safest place to be. Lord, you are our hiding place. You are the one who can carry us through the joys and the challenges. And when everything else is stripped away, Lord, you are still there. And so I just want to say thank you for your blessed assurance here on earth and in heaven. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.com.
Dock Church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church. Connecting